No, it's, uh, it's really good to see you. And uh, man, I was just blessed listening to y'all singing. Just stirred my heart. I just shut my mouth and just bowed my head and listened. And it was just awesome to hear God's people singing and rejoicing. So I'm totally blessed by that. Um, one point I want to reiterate before I get into the message is that we have this thing uh, called the Oasis Journey. And it's, a, it's sort of a cyclical part where we want to grow together uh, as a welcoming church, as a worshiping church, connecting to one another, being equipped in the gospel and serving, and then just continuing to go. And part of that accomplishes the mission of the church. The mission of the church is to make disciples who are reconciled to God and to one another. Just going to keep pounding that into our souls, reconciled to God and to one another. God says, uh, Apostle Paul, I believe, said we, God has given us a ministry of reconciliation. That is the ministry that God has given us. So how can we be ministers of reconciliation if we're not being reconciled to one another? And sometimes it's easier to do that with family because we can't, in, in many ways, we just sort of can't get rid of family. We reconcile. But the same thing should be in the church family that we reconcile to God and to one another, and in salvation we get reconciled to God, and then we continue on daily being reconciled to him and also reconciling with each other. So just, just plant that in your heart wherever it may be, and I, I hope to encourage you in that. We're in this series called Living the Life, and if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Hebrews chapter 6. But in Live the Life, we are uh, going in church-wide life groups talking about living life together. We started in January with uh, life together, and then now it's live the life. And, and we're in a section of sharing your story. So our life groups are sharing their story. And this morning, we're going to have one of our life group leaders share his story. And so uh, without further ado, I want to introduce you all to Mark Nitsch. Give him a big hand. My man. <laughs> How are you doing today? Yes. Lord, I just thank you for this brother. Lord, I thank you for what you've done in his life. Holy Spirit, use Lord, how good you are to your son, Mark. Pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right. So, uh, you know, our testimonies are the most powerful thing that we have, you know, and my testimonies brought me out of where I was, and I promised Pastor Eric I only had eight minutes, so uh, I'm going to make this eight minutes. It's going to be really fast to the point. It's going to be the ups and downs and how I came out of it. So uh, I started my life in Baltimore. My mom and dad broke up before I was the age of one, so it brought some cool things out of me, which was two birthdays, two Christmases. I had two of everything. So uh, that was one good thing. Um, so I went back and forth between Baltimore and then Ken Island. So... Um, my real father, he was a crack cocaine addict. He stole everything I had and up until the age of 13 when I finally realized it. Um, another cool thing that came with my parents splitting up, my mom married, and I had a stepdad. I was an only child forever, so now I had a stepsister. Uh, my stepsister, she started coming over every other weekend, and my mom and dad got some free time to go out and babysit. You know, they, she babysitted while they went out. She was about 11, 12, I was five or six. Um, soon after that, she started sexually molesting me. So I knew every week 
that that would happen, that it just kept coming. I knew it was coming. I was too young to know it was really wrong, but I knew it wasn't right. So, uh, you know, that led to a lot of things. You know, my dad being a crack cocaine addict, he left me all the time, abandoned me. That was my abandonment issues growing up. So my, sis my sister doing that to me, you know, that, that created a, a turmoil in me of women, you know, I, I, I guess just womanizing, abusing women. You know, I just looked at them as an object, not as what they really are. So uh, shooting farther forward, uh, when I hit middle school, I was teased a lot. I got, I got into middle school, and, you know, they call it bullying now. We called it teasing. Uh, so basically, uh, I got teased a lot. I was a skinny little kid, acne, you know, the whole nine yards. I, I had a bunch of things that they could make fun of me about. Uh, soon after that, um, I found that violence was the answer to that for me. I, I lashed out at it, and next thing you know, that was when I put on that mask that I wore for the next about 20 years. And that mask was that fake persona of me that every time that something happened, I, I was expected to do this. This is what I had to do. So uh, at the age of 13, like I said, teased. I started getting in trouble in school, fighting, all kinds of stuff. So I also got introduced to the older crowd now because I was let in with the cool kids now. You know, I, that was what it was. So. Uh, Basically, I got into the drug scene then. I started drinking and uh, smoking, smoking weed, as everybody knows it, uh, which they say isn't a gateway drug. I, I say it is, but anyway, it was my gateway. So uh, along with that, I, I started uh, selling drugs for somebody else in school, the older people, the older crowd that I hung with. Um, and that just led to just a, a, a violent spiral downhill for me. Um, going further forward now, um, I dropped out of school at 15. Um, from, the age, from the age of 15 to 21, I had been locked up about 40 times for various different things. Um, and around 20 years old, I got the biggest one that I had so far, which was 18 months. So I got 18 months and I came out and everything was good, fresh and clean. And I had my daughter, Sarah. Everything was going good. Met Amy. Uh, we started hanging out in the bar. And basically, things started going back downhill again for me. So uh, this time, you know, we're, we're smoking weed and hanging out in the bar. Of course, my other uh, addiction was money. So I had to sell anything that I did, it seemed like. So it was just a a violent thing that I had going on with me. I had this big hole inside of me that I tried to fill from all this hurt, but I just couldn't figure out how to fill it. Um, so basically, uh, that just kept going on and on and on, and then the weed just wasn't enough. Uh, I got introduced to prescription painkillers, um, and basically, that led to eight years of an opiate addiction, uh, and, I, and also selling them. So uh, eight years later, I uh, got introduced to some people that uh, came in very un uninvited. Uh, they called themselves the SWAT team. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> that was my wake-up call. <laughs> um, so again, uh, I was locked up. Uh, I did two, uh, I got two years. I did 16 months on two years, and I got out. Uh, within two weeks of getting out, fresh and clean, knew what I had to do. I knew all of what I shouldn't do, who I shouldn't hang out with. Uh, within two weeks, I was using again. So this time, 
it, got, it just got worse. It was a worse thing. Uh, I don't know what it was inside me, but it just wasn't enough. So, uh, but I, as a lot of you know with the opiates, there's a terrible withdrawal thing that they call, you know, it's withdrawal, what everybody hates, the, the feared thing in an addict. So uh, one day I was withdrawing, a buddy of mine was withdrawing, I was a pill fiend, he was a heroin addict. I knew from living in Baltimore, heroin was not an option at all. Uh, he got a phone call before I did. I became a heroin addict like that. Um, I lived the next eight months like that, hiding it from Amy. <clears throat> and in that eight months, I lost everything. I lost cars, house, I, I mean, everything. I watched her walk out with the kids, and in my sick mind, I thought, that's awesome, because now I don't need an excuse now to go out at one o'clock in the morning. So, uh, you know, it was just the, that thing in, in, in my attic mind. So, um, basically, I lived that for about three more months. Um, Sarah was with me while I was doing all this. She took her kids. I kept Sarah. So um, I would leave at night, and, and I would go and rob drug dealers at gunpoint. That was what I did. That was, that was my out, not knowing if I would come back home. So I gave my daughter the same thing that my dad gave me, the abandonment issues. I left her for the drug that I loved. He left me for the drug he loved. So uh, <clears throat> a little further forward, I, uh, I finally got help. Um, my mom came to me after my wife ratted on me. Finally found out. She snitched me out. So my wife, my mom came, and uh, <laughs> she sat on my bedside. My mom and her saved my life is what they did. So uh, she sat on my bedside and cried, and she said, I knew what you were doing. I agree. Oh, great. The cops came to our house, you know, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, it wasn't that. So I went to rehab. Got out of rehab. I wanted to do everything right. So I did. Um, I had one mess up in there about five months in, but uh, after that, basically, I went and got introduced to Celebrate Recovery. Celebrate Recovery is a 12-step program that's basically, it's biblical-based 12 steps. Um, it's an awesome program. When I went in there, I knew a couple things about Jesus. I knew he had a perfect life. I knew mine wasn't. I knew he did everything right and helped people. I knew I hurt people. So I thought that I couldn't get into there. When I walked in that church, I was introduced to nothing but love. And throughout that, that love is what led me to where I am right now. It's been five years since I've had, or about almost six years since I've even had a sip of alcohol at all. Um, and it's been five years, a little over five years since, uh, since I've done any drugs and I don't smoke cigarettes anymore either. But uh, basically, that's all my time, as you heard my timer go off, because I'm ADHD, I have to, have to do that. But, um, but yeah, so, so that's my story. I tried to fit it all in there as quick as possible. But, uh, you know, that, the end of it is the most important part. You know, when I walked into that church, that love that I felt, that acceptance, is what brought me out of where I was. The testimonies that I heard in Celebrate Recovery let me know that I wasn't the only one that was like me. You know, I, I wasn't that person that was just over there on the side, and they're going... That's just him, and there's nobody else like him. It wasn't true. Everybody had the same story, just in a different way. So uh, I just want to thank you all for accepting me how I am also. Um, you know, that's, that's the important thing about this church is that everybody that walks in this door is accepted and loved. And that's the important thing about the love of Jesus Christ. Thank you guys so much.
Thank you, brother. That was awesome. I hear a ringing. I don't know if I'm too hot or something's ringing. Wow. So I want to put a picture up here. It's a hard transition here. This is a picture of your life. You're like, what in the world? <laughs> All right, and so I want you to picture your wife like a wife like a rubber band. Now, when I was a kid, rubber bands were assault items. I had a rubber band gun that my dad made me. I had a rubber band machine gun that would shoot multiple rubber bands all at once. And I would fire them off at the people. Hey, here we go. I would just fire them off, and it was always fun to hit people with them, right? So, hey. So, here's the thing about a rubber band, though. A rubber band in and of itself, if you put too much tension on it, it breaks. Next slide, please. It breaks. And a lot of churches have broke people with heavy legalistic rules, doing things that aren't scriptural and making them scriptural, adding and adding and adding and adding. I mean, the Bible in and of itself is a challenge enough by the Spirit to live by, let alone to add more and more rules to that. And so with what I'm going to say today, I don't want to break you with the words of Scripture, but I do want to stretch you. I want to stretch you. Because a rubber band really isn't terribly effective unless it's being used. If you put, you know, if you ever use a rubber band to do cards, you know, you probably know the thing. You swing it around and put it over it so it fits tightly. In the same way, I want you not to just stick a, a couple of cards in here and go, well, that's lame. It's not to do anything. But I want, you to, I want you to be a little tightened today without breaking, okay? So what I'm saying is going to be difficult, but it's applying pressure not intended to create a legalistic spirit within you and make you feel defeated. Does that make sense to you? So that's my preface. My daughter, she's like sitting here. She's getting out of the way. So in Hebrews chapter 6, it has a real strong word. And I want to set it up a little bit more. You've heard a number of testimonies. If you've been in a life group, you've probably heard some already. You're going to continue to hear some. You heard me share. You've heard Mark share this morning. There is a room full of stories, and all of them aren't pretty. Nor do we expect them to be. However, once Jesus takes out our old heart and gives us a new heart, and once we have been walking in the kingdom for a season, I'm not putting a time to it, there needs to be some stretching taking place in us. There needs to be some growth. There needs to be some not resting on, oh, my life was this, and this happened to me, and this happened to me, and this happened to me. Don't hear me wrong. We want you to be healed. We don't want you to overlook it and gloss over it. You need to face it head on with Jesus at your side. But after that, there comes a place of no more. 
There comes a place of I'm not going back. I'm not rehearsing the same thing over and over again. So then it becomes a testimony of grace instead of a woe with me, pity me because my life was really bad story. And again, I, I, I hope I'm coming across, if you've heard me before, sympathetic to whatever's happened to you. That's not, I'm not downplaying any of it. But if you've been with Christ for a season, listen to these words. Therefore, let us leave the elementary doctrine of Christ and go on to maturity. Now, leaving it doesn't mean, it means I'm, gonna, I'm just going to leave something I'm going to leave this part of the Bible here. No, it means I'm going to build upon. I'm not, I'm not just going to stay inside the dirty work of the foundation. I'm going to be building on more and more and more. And he says, uh, go on to maturity, not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. I'm just not going to continue with the same old story of I'm just defeated and I'm just going to come weak again and I am pathetic and I am just lame and I'm speaking for me, not for you. And I, I'm, just, I'm just going to be what I'm going to be and I'm just going to survive and hold on till I get to heaven someday. I'm a bunker in. That is not what the gospel says. The gospel says we're to leave the, the beginning things and build on to it. We're to grow deeper in the knowledge of Christ. We're to go grow deeper in our relationship with him and getting into the word every day and letting it apply to our lives. We're to dig in and eat food, spiritual food. And we're called to pray and ask God every morning, in a sense, God, this is my life. This is your day. I surrender it. Whatever comes of this day, I'm going to roll with it, God, as you brought it to me. We're not going to live a defeated life of just going, oh, here comes another day. I'm just going to survive till Friday because Jesus will show up on Friday. Some people think that Jesus in your life only shows up on Sunday. But we're called to grow up. Called to grow up. Not to be rude here. Your children at 12 years old, we would be wondering what's up with you. But the Bible says that we are to get off of that and have faith towards God and, and of instruction about, and it sort of continues on, and instructions about washing, Old Testament ceremonial things they were focusing on, just a basic laying on of hands, Old Testament things, which aren't bad, but they were building upon. The resurrection of dead is what they were pressing to. Eternal judgment was what they knew was coming. They said, I mean, they knew exactly what the, the author was talking about. It's really time to go on. It's time to leave the milk of the word and eat some meat. Sorry, all vegetarians and vegans for that. It is meant as a spiritual thing. Said you're supposed to eat of the solid food of the scripture. Again, grow up. We're not allowed to be teenagers anymore, most of us. 
If you just got saved, I'm not speaking to you right now. You can just catalog this for later. But if you have any time with the Lord on you, it's time to move on to maturity. It's time to just establishing going to church on Sunday and, and maybe connecting with God once during the week is good enough. It's not. I don't know many of you that don't eat during the week. Except for times of fasting. We don't have a problem with that. But we call, you know, we're called to eat. We're called to leave behind the milk. We're called to grow into the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And we're called to, to have a life that's worth emulating. Not just a lame life that you're like, well, that's just sort of going back a couple weeks. That's just the way that person is. No, we're growing. We're growing and we're sharing the gospel. We go to work and we mess up. We go, man, I messed up. I'm so sorry I hurt you. I messed up. Would you forgive me, sir? You know, and they go, what? Is, that's weird. I've never seen that before, man. This is what Jesus did to my life. He said, I got to live real. I got to be I got to be living out what I'm hearing every morning and what I'm hearing on Sunday. It has to have teeth. It has to be real, else I'm just viewed as that hypocritical Christian that just gets by. Just getting by. Just comfortable with getting by. Casual Christianity. Christianity that doesn't have substance. Christianity that doesn't take forgiveness, uh, that takes forgiveness lightly because we'll accept a free ticket to heaven, if you would, from God. But when it comes to forgiving someone else, heck no, because they hurt me. So God, in his loving way through the scriptures, he says, leave the milk for the babies. Grow up. Establish yourself. Don't focus on the basics. And I don't mean that you don't do the basics, but that you build upon them. Now, I know some people in here like cars. I'm not a car person. I don't, I'm not a motor person. I'm not anything person when it comes to vehicles. But I do know people that buy older cars or hot rod cars, and they buy them generally that they don't, just leave it in the garage as is. Any gearheads in here? I mean, just own up to it. Just, we know it's your idol. Okay, we got a couple of your heads. That's good. Okay. But you don't, most likely, you don't just get your car and, and just polish it and leave it in the car and not touch it again. No, you're, you're in the catalog. <laughs> Online, some of you younger people, it is a book that we used to ship out. <laughs> and it had information in it. Younger people, you go online and you go to parts.com or something like that or autoidle.net and you get in there and just hung up on fast cars and you just read it and you get engrossed on it and you look for that new uh, air intake filter. And I used to know the name of them. What are they called? Cold air intake. See? Get a cold air intake. 
and there's, probably, there's a brand name. Canon Air Filter. See, I didn't know that. But, you know, adding horsepower to my car. You know, I'm going to not just get that. I'm going to get a new um, uh, exhaust system that, that just adds horsepower. Not just that. Or if you're younger, you get that weird thing you put on the end of a Honda that makes it whine. I don't get it. But some of y'all do it. Or if you're a country boy, you get your big truck that everyone in God's creation hears when you come into town. And you get 50-inch lift on it. I saw a guy at work that wasn't tall enough to get into his truck. But we'll get the tires. We'll get the rims. Oh, dear Lord, some of y'all with rims, I'm getting into another world now. You know, and, and all this does what? Make the gospel flourish in your life? No. But it draws attention, does it not? We don't do it so that just we can go into the garage and all over God's blessing of creativity in this new Chevy that I have. I'm not a Chevy, don't start that. All right, <laughs> shut up. <laughs> but, you know, and, 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 and do I need to go on pampered chef people? Oh, oh, it was funny when the guys are getting nailed. Oh, I need this new $50 orange slicer. You know, and guys will make fun of their wives and secretly be buying a shotgun that costs $1,000 online and hide that or, or ammunition, you know, in case the second coming happens early or something. It's just, and so we have all these things we do. We upgrade. We upgrade. We add on. We fix it up. But when it comes to the things of the Lord, we're still driving a Pinto. We're driving the entry car. And we're fine with it. Because we've gotten the mentality of, well, I'm just going to get through Christianity without it really changing me. I bet each of us in here has something that applies there. It might not be cars. It might not be Pampered Chef. And forgive me, I don't know if anyone does that stuff, but there's something that you're looking to upgrade, that you're looking to increase. And Jesus calls us to cast all of that before him. He blesses us. I'm not belittling having things, but if you're not growing in the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're still an adult sipping on the milk and going through comfortable Christianity, you are not experiencing freedom in Christ. And you can't sing, your chains are gone, I've been set free, because they're hanging there, and you're dwelling 
as the ruler of this world has their clamps on you. So we're called to leave. In Titus 2, 11 through 12, it says this, For the grace of God has appeared, bringing salvation for all people, training us to renounce ungodliness and worldly passions, and to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in the present age. Right now, we're called to live, renounce ungodliness. That means if we're looking at something we shouldn't be looking on it, we renounce it, we turn from it. If we're saying things that we shouldn't say, we turn from it. If we have things we shouldn't have, we sell it or burn it. If any of this stuff, we're supposed to turn from it and live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this age. That is what salvation is. Salvation is a one-time event, but it continues in being saved continually in the sanctification process, growing more and more like Jesus Christ. So quite simply, if you're still drinking milk, as we're getting ready to come to communion here in a minute, once you ask God an honest question, if you consider yourself a Christian, how are you calling me to grow as a man and woman of God? How? Because I talked about cars and kitchen items. 99% of you, it's not that. Maybe you're not getting into the word. Maybe the Bible is just a bit of facts and loose tradition that you're going instead of it being something that feeds you. You will not grow unless you feed on God's word. You will begin to doubt. You will begin to question. You will begin to disenfranchise yourself. As Pastor Todd says, you will become a lone ranger and start to get dimmer and further dimmer darkness comes way away away and then you'll question everything that you believe because you've not been eaten healthy for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people training us to renounce ungodliness I got rid of all my rubber bands I think the Holy Spirit is asking some tension to be placed on your rubber band this morning. Don't keep doing the things you know you're not supposed to be doing. Not because it's right or wrong, but because it honors God. Don't get caught up in the right or wrong. Get caught up about honoring Jesus Christ because that's why we say we're here. It's the only reason we're here is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. Let's do that as a church. Would you please stand as the worship team comes? Just want to encourage you, if you heard Mark's testimony and um, you want to talk to him, I know he'd be open to that. He'll be up here. Um, just a great guy to chat with about struggles in life, but there's other people here as well. Your testimony 
should bring glory to Jesus Christ. No matter where it started, we know where he came into it. And the trajectory changed. Let's pray together. Lord, as we come to the table, we remember that we are called to be reconciled to you. And so, Lord, if there's things here that don't belong, we pray that we would stop them or drop them. Lord, if there's anyone here whose rubber band has been broken because of a parent or because of a church, Father, I pray that they would find healing through Jesus Christ. Lord, if there's no one, someone here that doesn't know you, I pray that they would just ask to know you and to dwell with you and to grow with you. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.